Okay, hello everyone. <laughs> it's good to see some new faces and some regulars. Um, we're in our last session in Mark today, um, and we're going to be looking at, there's a heading on your sheet inside, faith and unbelief. Um, so recently we've seen amazing acts of faith, and now we're going to see amazing unbelief. Um, and the question we're going to be looking at today is, is how is my faith right now? How is my faith this morning? What are the things going on in my life? What is stopping me from trusting Jesus? And what are the things causing doubt or unbelief in my life? And so you'll see in your sheet, there's that question there, how is my faith now? And then just below, there is a space for you to answer that question. And you don't have to answer it now, but if you would like to, you can. And underneath is why. If your faith is good, why is it good right now? Maybe you've been encouraged by someone. Maybe you're just feeling really blessed by God. But if it isn't good, if you are struggling, why are you struggling? What's going on in your heart? How is my faith right now? And there's a question below you can answer, am I doubting and or living a life of unbelief? Now, I said you don't have to answer them now and you can answer them later, but I really hope that this will be a catalyst for us to talk about our faith because as a church, we love one another and we know all of us go through separate things in life. All of us have hardships and ups and downs. All of us can be prone to unbelief. And so, to, so today I want to wrestle with these questions. Take a moment to examine our lives and our faith because unbelief is no small thing. It can affect everyone, even the people that grew up with Jesus. As we will see, the people that knew Jesus the best, they reject Him. Now you, are, you might ask, why do they reject Jesus? And we're hopefully going to find out a little bit more why. And maybe to take some measures as to be protected from that happening to us too. So let me pray and then we'll begin. Father God, thank you. Thank you for being here. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word. Thank you that your word is powerful and it cuts to the heart. I pray that there would be a word for someone, for each person here today. Would you speak to us today? Amen. So let's begin. We're looking at Mark chapter 6 in your, um, in your sheets, and it's in the Bible, verses 1 to 6. <clears throat> Let me read. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that's been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his, ho in his own home. 
He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few people who were ill and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So Jesus has been spending most of his time in Capernaum and around Galilee. And just to remind you of a few things that we've seen so far. So we've seen Jesus' authority over the body. We've seen him heal the paralyzed man. And we've seen an amazing faith from the bleeding woman who believed, if I could just touch Jesus, I would be healed. And she was. We've seen Jesus' authority over nature when he calms the raging storm. And his disciples become terrified and they ask each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And then we see that very question answered by Legion who shouts, what do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? And then we see Jesus' authority over evil by freeing the man from an oppressed spirit, by an oppression, by freeing the man oppressed by an impure spirit. And finally, we've seen in an utterly helpless situation, Jesus tells Jairus, who's found out his daughter has just died, don't be afraid, just believe, just have faith. And then we see Jesus' power and authority over the dead, as he raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. And so Jesus has been really busy. You can imagine his name is spreading all across Judea, all across um, Galilee, and everyone can now recognize him when he comes to town. Which brings us to verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. He's going home. He's going home to a little town called Nazareth. Now imagine for me, with me for a moment, what is it like for you to go home? Are you greeted with smiles and hugs? And is it a good time? Or is it not such a good time? Maybe when you go home, you're you met with hostility and tension. For me, depending on where I go, it can be a lovely time. Or it might be a bit frustrating and a bit stressful. Well, you can imagine Jesus felt like this too. He was looking forward to going home. He was seeing his mom, his brothers, his sisters, all the people he grew up with. He was going home. And you could imagine it might be a happy time, but we're going to find out the reality that that was not the case for Jesus. From what we know, this is the first time Jesus goes to Nazareth, and it is his last, other than maybe passing through the town. Let's continue in verse 2. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. In Jesus' time, not anyone could teach in the synagogue. And so you had to be invited. And so they've heard of Jesus, and rightly so, they're curious, and they ask him to come and teach. And they are not disappointed. It says they are amazed. So much so that they question themselves. Look at verse 2. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he has been performing? Well, notice that they are more concerned with where he got these things. 
They're more concerned about where he got his wisdom, where he got his teaching, than the actual wisdom and the teaching itself. You see, they know Jesus. They know he never went to college. They know he never went to university. He never trained under any rabbi. And so they question, why does he have all these followers? And now he is teaching us in the synagogue. They continue in verse 3. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't he just a carpenter? There's nothing special about this man. People might say today, who does he think he is up there, standing, teaching? Well, let me ask you what you think. Was Jesus just a carpenter to you? Is he just a man? Or is he something more? Is he someone more? On a side note, Mary was not a perpetual virgin. The text is clear. Mary had sons and daughters from Joseph. But more importantly, it's actually what they're saying about Jesus and Mary isn't very kind here. Because in that culture, you always refer to someone using their father's name, like, isn't that Connor, son of Clive, right? And most likely here, um, them referring to Mary, son, Mary's son, them referring to Jesus as Mary's son, was most likely a slur. Like, isn't that Mary's son? You know, the son born not out of marriage, you know? Her son? And we continue, verse 3. They took offense at him. And the Greek word for offense here is where we get our word scandal or scandalize. Not only did they reject Jesus, but they were scandalized by Jesus. Now, why did they do this? Why are they so offended? Well, they weren't offended at anything he said. They weren't offended at anything he did. They are offended at who he is. That offended them. And you know, there are people today that they don't know what Jesus said. They don't know what the Bible said he did. They just are offended by Jesus. They're offended by who he is. Even today you tell someone, Jesus is your savior. He died for you. That is offensive to some people. And why? Well, because if Jesus is my savior, then I need saving from something. Then I'm a sinner. And people don't want to hear that. And so they're offended by Jesus. And they reject him. So who here is offended by Jesus? 
does Jesus serve as a scandal to you? When you hear his name, Jesus, on the streets, in a conversation, maybe in your office, do you close your ears? Do you turn your eyes away? You don't want to hear anything about him. What is it about Jesus that offends you? Another reason why Jesus' own hometown reject him was because they thought they knew who he was. One saying comes to mind, and it is that familiarity breeds contempt. When you have so much knowledge about something, you know, you know someone too well, you tend to lose respect for that person or that thing. They knew Jesus too well. They knew his mom, his brother, his sisters. They knew he was just a carpenter. So they reject him. And this is an amazing act of unbelief. These were the people that were supposed to know Jesus the best. But they rejected him. They were angry at him. How could this man be a carpenter and teach us about God? And so they were offended by him. And in their unbelief, they choose to reject Jesus. I ask you again, how is your faith? Really, how is your faith? What is going on in your heart? I know the Christian life isn't easy. It's full of ups and downs. And I know we're also called to live by faith and not by sight. And so I ask you, is Jesus really real to you? Or are you finding it actually hard to believe at the moment? Are you finding it hard to believe in Jesus? Or maybe God is merely just an intellectual activity for you. And you find it hard to have faith in this man called Jesus. You find it hard to have faith when all around you you see unbelief. And so you choose to reject him. Or maybe you've become too familiar with Jesus. You know him too well. You've been taught all the Gospels. You've been taught everything about Jesus. And you've chosen, you know what, Jesus isn't for me. I don't need Jesus. Well, if that's you here today or online, I want you to know about the great danger you are in. I want you to know that it is not that you reject Jesus, but it is that what the Bible says is true. And that when you meet God, He will reject you. Verse 4, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few people who were ill and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith.
the saying Jesus says or quotes is not from the Bible, but is what is called a truism. And it is a statement that is obviously true, but says nothing new or nothing interesting. And this statement is most likely used in different cultures and different um, times. But what is interesting is this part about Jesus not being able to do miracles, but then doing some miracles. And then the statement of Jesus being amazed at his lack, at their lack of faith. So what is going on? Well, first, it's not that Jesus could not do any miracles, because we read he healed the sick, some sick. But in Matthew's account, he records the same event, but he puts it like this. Matthew 13, 58, and he did not do any miracles there because of their lack of faith. Because of their unbelief, he could not do any miracles. Their unbelief limited what Jesus could do among them. Time and time again in the Gospels, where we see faith, we see God's power at work. Where we see faith, we see God's power at work. Now we do have to be careful of so-called faith healers who say it is actually because of your lack of faith that you haven't been healed. It is your lack of faith that your prayers aren't being answered. But also we have to hold up the scriptures that say if you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Matthew 21, 22. So I'm not claiming to have all the answers, and I want this to be a, a discussion after this, something we talk about. How is it that I pray and not see something, but it says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer? To me, it does seem like from Mark 6 that faith plays a big part in what God does. And if you haven't received something in prayer or are struggling to believe at the moment, rather than blaming God, we should look at ourselves first. Is there something we're not doing? Or are we lacking in faith and failing to really trust God? Finally, we see that because of their lack of faith, he is amazed. Verse 6, he was amazed at their lack of faith. You know, Jesus is only amazed twice in the Bible. Once, he is amazed at the faith of the Roman centurion. I'm sure you know the story. Roman centurion comes and asks Jesus to heal his sick servant. Jesus says, I will go with you. And he says, no, just say the word and it is done. Jesus says he has not seen faith like that in all of Israel. He was amazed at his faith. And the second time, Jesus is amazed here at their lack of faith, at the lack of faith in his hometown. He is amazed. The ESV says he marveled at their unbelief. 
What does it take for God to marvel? Well, let me tell you. Unbelief. What does it take for God to marvel? Unbelief. So here is the question for us today. Would Jesus be amazed at your lack of faith? Would he marvel at your unbelief? So for me personally, at times I think he would. Sometimes I'm amazed at my own lack of faith. How can I trust God with my eternity? Trust him that he saved me from hell. Something so big, something so scary. And yet fail to trust him for next year. When that looks uncertain, that looks worrying. Sometimes I'm amazed at my own lack of faith. Would Jesus be amazed at your lack of faith? Maybe. So we recognize the danger of unbelief and that it can affect every Christian. Hebrews 3:12 to 14, it's in your sheets is a great reminder of this. And it says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. So nowadays, the world is becoming more and more secularized, and our faith is constantly being attacked. Faith is constantly being pushed out of every part of society, your office and your home life, and so what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to respond? What can we do? In your sheets, there's at the bottom some application. And I want you to write some stuff out underneath that. I'm going to mention some things, but for you, what are the things that you can be doing? Here are four ways we can apply this. One, Guard your heart. What are you watching? What are you listening to? Who is inputting in your life? Who is affecting your heart? What are you listening to? We need to guard our hearts. Second, feed your heart and build your faith. What are some of the things that, you can, that can build your faith? Maybe it's just to continue reading the Bible, continue meeting up one-to-one, -one, having deep conversations with brothers and sisters about faith, listening to podcasts of great acts of faith, great teachers of faith. What are you doing that 
you could be doing to build your faith, to feed your heart with good things. Maybe you can list a few there. Thirdly, pray for God's love. Pray for God's love to reach the culture you're in. Pray for God's love to reach the workplace you're in, the lives that you affect. Pray for God's love. And fourth, be prepared to share your hope. Knowing what you believe is so important. And so if anyone would ask you what you believe, you can give and share your hope. And that would build your faith. Possibly getting out of your comfort zone, sharing the gospel, and, or doing some evangelism is a great way to build your faith. And so those are just some of the application there. Why don't I pray, and then we'll move on. Father God, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for this text that we see Jesus being rejected in his hometown and the amazing unbelief from his friends and family. Father, I pray today that we would take steps to guard our heart. I pray we would stay, take steps to build our faith, to, sh to be prepared to share the hope we have. Lord, you have called us out of darkness and into light. You've called us to be a light to our nation, to our workplace, to those around us. And sometimes that can be hard when your faith is attacked every day. Father, I just pray that you would impact each and everyone's lives here today. In Jesus' name, amen.